You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Eat. I'm not hungry. You lie. <laughs> Just to please me. I do nothing for your pleasure. All I wish is for you to sit and talk. About such awesome movies like this 1986 classic, Legend, on 80s Revisited. And I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. I'm the other Danielson Angelo. <laughs> with us, the Lord of Darkness himself, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. Legend, yes. this is. I'm, I love this movie. Okay, awesome. <laughs> let's just get on with it. Uh, April 16th, 1986, IMDb, 6.3, what the fuck are you smoking? Rotten Tomatoes, 71, mm, still too low. Uh, budget was an estimated $30 million. Opening weekend, however, 4.2. Domestic gross, 15.5. Brum, brum, brum. Green giant. So, <laughs> much as akin as Blade Runner was when it first released, this was a domestic failure. Uh, however... Uh, the legend of legend grew on home video and, of course, on DVD with multiple releases, including on Blu-ray, which it looks phenomenal as well. Uh, also, uh, much like the, uh, not like the Goonies, Goonies made its money back, but uh, Awesome Powers, like I mentioned last episode, this is one of those movies that really well, found its audience it wasn't on home video. Was it mentioned last episode? I don't know. If it, if it wasn't, it was on the first take <laughs> of last week's episode. It uh, was two episodes ago. <laughs> for us. For us. <laughs> But uh, directed by the great, the amazing, the extremely talented and visionary Ridley Scott. You might remember him from such episodes of 80s Revisited as Blade Runner. And I think that was it so far. Alien. We did Aliens. Oh, he didn't do Aliens. Yeah. The money sign. Yeah. Aliens, action movie, alien, horror. Yeah. Both masterfully done for their genre. As this was masterfully done for a fantasy movie. Which I look forward to hearing what Daniel has to say on that but let's get there first written by William Hosholtzberg who also wrote Angel Heart but with Robert De Niro which is not a bad flick now uh, most people when they talk about the cast of this movie would say Tom Cruise first but fuck that noise the star of this movie is the legendary and amazing Tim Curry as Darkness of when course did, when, how, how long in the movie before they actually show him well in full color a while yeah that's but what, of course know. he's in that black light yeah, look yeah. in the beginning but like, that you really can't true, see but then he comes iconic. out of the yeah, I mean, that's mm. one of my favorite scenes in the movie where she's mm-hmm. dancing in front of the mirror and then he, the hoof comes out. And he's, I mean, it's just like, holy shit. And the, when I first realized that that was Tim Curry, like the Tim Curry from Clue, the Dr. Frankenfurter from mm-hmm. Rocky Horror, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. One of the best makeup jobs that oh, I've yeah. ever seen applied to anybody in any movie in any totally decade. Totally agree with you with that one. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, but like I said, yeah, Tim Curry's Darkness, Rocky Horror, Clue, Hunt for Red October. Uh, millions of voice acting gigs, video games, movies, uh, all sorts of stuff. He's done it all. He even has some albums, which I've 
not been able to track down to hear his singing voice, although he did <laughs> sing good in Rocky Horror. Uh, and then starring that douchebag Tom Cruise, just kidding, he's a douchebag, uh, in case he's listening and wants to help us out. Uh, here he's a nice guy when he's not being batshit crazy with Scientology. But he was Jack. And while watching... He's not going to help. <laughs> We've already did Scientology once before, so we're, we'd be, what would, we would be labeled what is known in Scientology as SPs, suppressive people, because we don't subscribe to their philosophy and... Uh, that kind business of stuff. practices. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, good. That was nicely put. Uh, but of course, Tom Cruise. Uh, but uh, I was watching. I just watched. Oh, I just watched Oblivion, and his name's. I think his name was Jack in that. But you know, and also his last movie before that was Jack Reacher. So I got to thinking like, <laughs> he's played a lot of Jacks. No, he hasn't. It's just Oblivion, Jack Reacher, and Legend. So if you were thinking that too by chance when you watched Oblivion, like, wow, he's Jack a lot. No, but he does a lot of Johns and you know, Joels. He was, and he was one of the first people uh, choices for Titanic, but he didn't do it. Thank God. No, I'm just kidding. He would have been Jack. In if, if he been. No. <laughs> or if he was in Jack the Giant Killer, he could have yeah. been. But I was totally Jack. jiving about the whole thing. You're jacking me? Yes. <laughs> jacking my chain. I don't know. What that Jack. I don't exactly. think that's the saying. He's actually played Jack in the Jack and Jill. Thing. Uh, but he's, of course, you know, such film, uh, 80s alumni as... Top Gun, Risky Business. Uh, his masterpiece was Collateral, in my opinion, and also worked with Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut. Great, great movie. Phenomenal. Uh, his best acting job ever, in my opinion. Uh, and then also another 80s revisited alumni, Mia Sarah as Lily. Of course, she was the girlfriend in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she looked amazing in this film when she got to that black dress part. She was... And she's she still looks pretty good. She's, she's still pretty. she's still an absolutely gorgeous woman. Uh, David Bennett was Gump. Alice Platon was Blix, and she actually passed away in 2011. But she was also in the animated heavy metal film. I thought, I don't know how old he was at the time. Gump did a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, as a child actor, yeah, I thought he was pretty he's very damn expressive good at and emotive. Yeah. Uh, didn't do much. Uh, I didn't even put nothing behind his name because there really wasn't nothing else of big note aside from like. A movie called She Hate Me and The yeah. Tin Drum, which I didn't hear any of that, so just kind of left it off. But he's pretty short, too, it looks like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or he's hunched over. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but also starring another 80s revisited alumni, Billy Barty, who five you, would, you would also recognize as wow. the High Alderman from Willow. Uh, he was Screwball, who's also in another film that we did, UHF, as the cameraman. I forget his name in that, but he did pass away in the year 2000. The year 2000. Let's always think of that. Billy uh, Barty will pass away. <laughs> or are you on that one, Conan? Yeah. Uh, and this is funny. Robert Picardo was Meg Mucklebones. Now, did the version you watch when they were in the the ball, like the swamp, had the creature pop out of the swamp and talk yes. to him? Okay, just making sure because there are you know there's several. Yeah. Cuts I watched this the director's well. cut. Gotcha. So uh, he was Meg Mucklebones, but he was also more known as the Doctor from Star Trek: The Next Generation, and uh. The hologram doctor and I think Voyager, but I thought it was pretty funny. He was in the next gen, and his last name's Picardo, Picard, and yeah. mm-hmm. Serendipity, I guess. I don't know. He was also in Gremlins too, which is a hilarious sequel, though not as good as the original, naturally. But Daniel, now I know you've heard me mention this movie before. You might have even have seen me watching it when you live with me. Nope. Ne- well, never mind. Then. <laughs> uh, but so I assume you, I know you like fantasy, and you've never seen this movie ever before until three days ago, correct? Today, whoa! So you are f- you are literally fresh out of the theater, practically, from this film. Yes. So 
knowing that you love fantasy movies, you love that genre, and I, I know it's no Willow to you, but what did you think of Legend? It's no Willow. I, I knew that was going to happen sometime <laughs> in this podcast. I, I preferred last week's movie. Really? A lot better. Mm-hmm. Just for as an, en, an enjoyable no. stand? Like, you know, yeah. it's more entertaining, so to speak? Yeah. I, can, I, can, I, can, I didn't think this movie was that. boring by any means, but it just, it's not something I would catch on TV like uh, if Goonies or Shining came on. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, we'll go ahead. I mean, uh, what I mean to the pace kind of threw you off a bit? Or, not really. I mean, or just. I did watch the director's cut, not mm-hmm. the theatrical version, which I believe is like 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it flowed well to me. Uh, I don't know. I, it, just didn't care for it as much mm-hmm. as the Goonies, well, yeah, but I can't com- really compare it to that. It's kind of different movies. But. Yeah, uh, the thing now, as a kid, <clears throat> I always liked this the second half of this movie more because that's when he fought. You know, that's when yeah. oh, it gets yeah. dark and that's yeah, when the fight and everything. When darkness, darkness comes in, that's that's when it does get you know enormously better. Yes, well, I mean, any, you add Tim Curry to anything, it gets better. I could be at my own bar mitzvah or whatever it is where they. He's my favorite part of Home Alone too. Oh yeah, and the little part he hasn't. Okay. My favorite part. <laughs> so I was, trying, I was about to say a line from it, but I realized he didn't say it. What? <laughs> what kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. But the chick says it next to him, not him. Uh-huh. But he's always. I'm trying to. Uh, One of Rob Snyder's earliest him. roles. Yeah. He goes, McAllister. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mc, that evil grin. Why was he never even, I wonder, thought to be the Joker? Like, he's got that devilish yeah. smile, and I know he could do the voice. Uh, I guess he's just not that. Phys- I guess I don't know physically, like uh, I don't know, but he 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 would have been a great Joker if Jack Nicholson didn't do it. Yeah. Like I would like I honestly, if I was casting the original Batman, I would have gone to Tim Curry first, Ooh. just because. Not I mean not I would I never would have thought Jack Nicholson would be the Joker. Well, I, I take that back. The Shining, when he when he's going crazy, I can I can see that. You know, yeah, I, you can, see I, it I can't when see he's that walking towards his wife like up those stairs. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just. I mean that's very Joker esque. <laughs> uh, so to speak, and he did bring that kind of insanity to that role, not like on the way Heath Ledger did, but uh, you know, apples to oranges in that pretty much. But yeah, Tim Curry is just everything he's in is phenomenal. To mm-hmm. me, I mean, not every single movie he's in, but he's always great. Yeah, and like he's kind of like a not a recluse, but I mean, you know, you don't you don't see you him don't a lot see him in the, any, in the public anymore. eye. But... And he recently had a heart attack. I believe I was recovering from a heart attack a couple of weeks ago. So if you're listening, Tim, we really hope we you're better you. and. You know, we'd, we'd love you. Like we love you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he definitely. I mean, Tom Cruise isn't bad in this film. I don't think anybody's bad in it. But again, like the 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 thing people remember from this movie, I think, is Tim Curry. And as well, another should. iconic role on his not another not iconic notch on his film belt. Uh, to me, they just Tom Cruise was told to look good, mm-hmm. pretty much. And like, keep your mouth always slightly open, like you're puzzled yeah. at every, what everybody's telling you. And when you smile, show those fang teeth. <laughs> you do it, buddy. Those incisors or whatever they're called, those teeth. <laughs> but actually, uh, I like this movie more as an adult because it is it's for a kids movie. Watching this in the '80s, I'm you know, not realizing it then, just enjoying it, you know, more so. But watching it, I was like, damn, like this is a dark, dark movie for, to be a fan, especially as you know, Willow came out, I believe, the uh, same year. I think '86, '87. Maybe it was eighty-eight. I think it was roughly, 88. roughly, you know, not too far it was away 25th from it. Anniversary this year, so it was yeah, yeah. eighty-eight. Uh, you know, so I mean, Willow's almost, almost like the Goonies 
mixed with legend in a sense, mm. in a way. If you follow me there, because you got the group, uh, a very unique, likable, humorous group going on a a, uh, a larger fantasy, fantastical quest. Uh, whereas Legends, pretty much like, no, she touched the unicorn jack. We have to get it back. We have to start before this time, or the whole world's gonna end. And then whoosh, there's no jokes. I mean, the, the funniest thing that happens is the Billy Barty almost has a heart attack at the top of that thing after climbing up. You know, mm-hmm. or they land on each other when they go down the slide into the the dungeon. Both I mean, the movies we've done in the past two weeks have cool little slide scenes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Speaking of that, I always wanted that Goonie slide. Like, yeah, that would have been awesome. That was amazing. And it was, apparently it lasted for like two minutes, too. I mean, it was a long... You know, you could like almost get bored with it. Oh, we got to redo that. No one... Like, I would have fucked that up so many times. Yeah. So I could have like... Redone. It's like, you know... Oh, hey, you got to kiss Kate Beckinsale on this thing. Oh, I messed up. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. During the kiss, I put my hand in front of the camera. I keep doing that. I'm sorry. I remember when we went to Waterworld, there was a... Like, it looked like an assortment of slides. Like, one, and you would float for a little bit in some water and go down another small one mm-hmm. until the very end. And you were supposed to do it by yourself. If you were to be with somebody, you kind of would hold their hand. And you would also be told to stay in the tube. You're in an inner tube the whole mm-hmm. time. God, we would just accidentally always oh, yeah. fall out of the tube right at that last long slide. <laughs> that was a fan- that was one of my favorite rides there. And for all of y'all who don't know what Waterworld is... Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, well, uh, the younger generation yeah. doesn't because it's no longer there. It's a parking lot now for the motherfucking Astros. So fuck you, Houston Astros. Where's your World Series that you got for tearing down Waterworld and Astroworld? Oh, you didn't get one. Big waste. Big mistake. Tear down the best fucking theme park and the best water park that ever existed. That you could go. They were right next door to each other. That you could go to in the same day. Park hopper fucking ticket, man. Which I did. That was like, God. Rest in peace, Astro and Waterworld. <laughs> Damn it. That makes me sad that. No, those aren't in existence anymore. Mm. The Ultra Twister at uh, Astro World, fucking awesome. And the Texas Tornado, the big wooden one. Yeah, that was the first wooden coaster I went on and scared me to death just because the sound of it. Yeah, the wood creaking and rattling when you're going on. It was scary. This is Roller Coaster Talk with Trey and Daniel. Uh, next week we're going to talk about Six Flags Over Texas, which is in San Antonio. So uh, join yeah. us then for that one. Well, you have the water park uh, <laughs> is in Schlitterbahn, New Braunfels, New uh, is in Texas as well. It's kind of close to San Antonio. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Split splash. Uh, yeah, but that, just so you know, you people know what, what Waterworld is, it was a big deal in the 80s, and I think it was the early 90s when that happened. Yeah. Because I, I kept wanting to... We went in the early 90s, yeah. I wanted to get my parents like, Mom, they're going to tear it down, we need to go. Like, Maybe well, mid-90s. We can't, we can't Maybe go mid-90s. out there. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't afford it right now. Like, thanks, Mom, for not letting me experience it one last time. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's just... To me, you know, it's almost like... It's, in a sense, an adult version of Willow, in a way, as far as just the the tone of the film. Willow's like, you know, you got Mad Mardigan and the brownies popping jokes and Willow being funny, and there is no humor in this movie. It's pretty mm. much, the world is going to end, get your shit straight, and go stop this from happening. Uh, which, as an adult, I like more, because I mean, it, it gives a more serious tone to the fantasy genre, because usually, most of them have, you know, like Willow, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but... Uh, like a like Conan was very, the first Conan was very similar to Legend in that there's not you know there's a couple of things where he like hits a camel you know but it's still a, it's a dark story and people are naked people are getting impaled on snakes and eaten by snakes and all this crap this cult stuff's going on people are committing suicide very dark dark fantasy which uh, you know it, it's refreshing in a sense because a lot of movies are you know in that genre like uh, you know like Willow. Uh, I think it's uh, Dragon Slayer, uh, Beastmaster. You know, it's it's still kind of 
it's not bad by any stretch of imagination, but it's just different. It's, the tone of it's different. Even though Beastmaster is almost polarizing because it's some really funny stuff happening, yeah. and then oh, here's child sacrifice. Bam. You know, yeah. like right, like you know, here's a joke. Here's a child being killed. <laughs> you know, or attempting to be sacrificed. Uh, but Legend is just no. A they did up, do that one kid before. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. Before. Uh, and I didn't remember that. You remember when we were discussing? <laughs> I was like, woo. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, that couldn't happen now. Yeah, but again, just the the second Tim Curry walks on the screen in that makeup job, and I think it was Rob Botan, I think it's how he pronounces his last name, the same guy that did the effects for The Thing, I want to say. No, really. Uh, did the effects for this movie. I think I have it written down. Yeah, Rob Botan. It's either Botan or I think it's Botan in, when I hear it on like commentary tracks. But again, like I, it has to be repeated. This is the best, one of the best damn makeup jobs of all time. And that dude didn't do a bad job. This home home version um, or maybe it's just a statue I don't know yeah life uh, size I guess or I don't know okay. regardless it looks good yeah. I think it's a statue because uh, yeah the bottom fa- half the looks terrible change <laughs> that same expression but and I mean Tim you know how Tim Curry looks I mean he's like a a weak looking no no disrespect like oh he looks like a I mean transvestite in Rocky Horror a butler in Clue and then he's the fucking Lord of Darkness and he pulls it off. It's fucking amazing. Talent of an actor. And the incredible makeup job. And it's a disservice to this film that uh, on all the releases that they've had of it, Blu-ray, DVD, etc., they've never had like a good documentary, which is unusual for a Ridley Scott film because you know, Blade Runner's got its own movie that's a documentary. Uh, and uh, same thing with like Robin Hood and Alien. There's like tons of behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you know, working on the makeup process or Alien and design and all that. There's nothing like that for Legend, which is really, really sad because I want to see like them like coming up with this and Tim Curry getting into character and all that kind of stuff because that is fucking wicked to this day. And actually, some people do a pretty damn good job at home for their Halloween mm-hmm. costumes. Some of them know, but there's some pretty good ones that we're Googling here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And on with the trivia... Uh, the sound of the unicorns is actually a humpback whale. Mm. Probably the same fucking whales they use in Star Trek Four, which <laughs> we're not on the podcast, but we mentioned that movie. Uh, and this is actually the second film that we've discussed on the podcast that actually nearly got or had its production halted due to fire. Uh, of course, Back to the Future, there was a big fire. Uh, Star Trek, there was a fire. Uh, which uh, Star Trek? Which one? Be three was the one where Captain Kirk saved the dude, but because he didn't want to lose filming time. Uh, but uh, the soundstage it was filmed in London was called the 007 stage. It was one of the largest ones. It burned literally to the ground, so the remainder of the film was actually shot on hastily constructed sets, which they still look pretty good. You know, I, you know there was never anything where I was like, wow, that looks shitty. It, all had, a, it had a pretty good unified vision uh, to me. And of course, as with any Ridley Scott film, there's a director's cut and a theatrical version. Uh, the one of the biggest differences in the theatrical between the theatrical and the director's cut is the score. Uh, in the theatrical, there's a group called Tangerine Dream, which does the music and that song at the end. Legends can be that sings at the end. Whereas in the uh, director's cut, it's, I think it's uh, Jerry Goldsmith does the score. And uh, as almost a stroke of luck, much like with the director's cut of Blade Runner, that it was found. Uh, because when they were actually looking to do the director's cut, the original session masters for Goldsmith's score weren't found. They were rumored to be lost, or soon to be lost. But a guy uh, in London had kept a two-track digital copy 
which he knew would be worth preserving, his quotes, uh, and most of them contain complete takes, which they just had to be re-edited from scratch just to match the cues of the recut print of the movie. So much akin to the Blade Runner director's cut being like, oh, here's the work print cut. Oh, shit, this is an entirely new cut of the movie. You know, some guy, some person realized that this was something that's amazing and kept it in good condition. Uh, I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, the face of the goblin blicks, you know, like the main goblin, like, master. Sounds mm-hmm. just like, uh, Gump, always, when I was a kid, I always got their voices confused, Gump and Blix, because they sound almost like the same yeah. actor. Uh, but anyway, his face was modeled off of uh, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. Oh. And the thing is, when you kind of watch it and you look at him, you can see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see Captain Jack Sparrow, basically, uh, with a pointy nose. Uh, and uh, really, Scott drew his inspiration for the look of legend from, a couple, from some strange sources. One was the 1946 version of Beauty and the Beast, as well as Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Bambi, the Disney versions, uh, which is pretty interesting. And then uh, we always like to talk about who was who could have been who. Well, for the role of Jack, they actually looked at Johnny Depp, which, you know, that would have been pretty good. Robert Downey Jr., you know, mm-hmm. 80s Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if, uh, I don't think it would work. But then Jim Carrey. Interesting. That would have made it more like Willow because he would have been, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. And making jokes about everything. Uh but uh, as far as Tim Curry goes, uh, really Scott was inspired to cast Tim Curry after seeing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He also thought about casting Richard O'Brien, who plays uh, Riff Raff in Rocky Horror, as Meg Mucklebones. Uh, and strangely, there's no evidence to document this. It's just a rumor, but it's a big rumor that this film actually was the inspiration uh, for The Legend of Zelda to Miyamoto, which it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, or certain structure things are similar. You know, instead of, uh, In fact... Ganon's called the Lord of Darkness, isn't he, at one point? Yeah. 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 I think well, so. I not think. That, not that that is the entire yeah. thing that ties it in to that, but, I mean, uh, you know, Jack, Link, uh, their names end in K. There's a vowel in there. They're four letters long. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, but basically, you know, a princess is taken by the Lord of Darkness, Ganon, Zelda, and he goes on a quest to find him. Of course, he has help. You know, he gets a sword, mm-hmm. not a maybe a masterful sword. Uh, he gets his you know, special armor and shield. He uses a shield. You know, he goes in a dungeon. It's a fantasy thing. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's a it's a rumor. But I can see how easily see how that could be the case because I mean everybody's influenced by things they see, whether you know it or not. Uh, and uh, I mentioned the director's cut and everything in the theatrical, but uh, the director's cut has the the di- the endings are slightly different, not too major like we're in Blade Runner, where literally one scene makes the entire difference as to the meaning or the interpretation of the film. But uh, in the director's cut, uh, Jack stays in the forest and Lily goes home alone, you know, and they're still, still together. It's just it's not like them running together gaily through the forest, holding hands and waving at their friends and everything. So, but, uh, want to do Sports Rewind or you want me to do in the real world? We could do Sports Rewind. Oh, Je- oh wait, never mind. Jesse's not in here again. Like he was Ready? Time. You do it. I can do it. Sports Rewind. Very nice. One, two, bad. Uh, let me get my sheet out. Your sheet? Come on, man. Get your sheet together. Um, Legend came out on... I think I got this date right. April 18th, 1986. <gasps> Didn't really have any good <laughs> sports thing on the 18th, but on April 20th of 1986, Michael Jordan set the NBA playoff record with 63 points. Michael who? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Michael Jadon. Jadon? Yeah, Jadon. Dejardin. Michael Dejardin. How many points? 
63 points in a game. And I'm not sure if that was the game against Cleveland where he did he's kind of like that famous where he makes the shot and then he jumps up. Yeah. Or it might have been those same playoffs. One of those. One of, Maybe something like that. But probably not. I don't know. <laughs> what I was going to get into is how much of a – okay, the dude was a, a beast. Jordan was yeah. a beast. But yes. he, he became beast number, like, level two. <laughs> he level came, up. He, he became the director's cut beast <laughs> in the playoffs. If he wanted to beat you, he's going to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it kind of just brought me into the thing with playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. Really the only time I watched the NBA. Yeah. Playoff. I, I love the playoffs. And the NBA, they just recently finished with the Miami Heat capturing their second. Not recently, but about a month ago, capturing yeah. their second uh, championship. Sitting but, the Spurs uh, packing back to Texas. Yep. Yeah. Now, the big thing with Flack with LeBron was that sometimes he wouldn't get into beast mode <laughs> in the playoffs. But he's getting a little better at that. Where he, like, teen wolves out. and Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Jordan was, to me, number one with that. In modern day, like I didn't know about Bill Russell, I don't know all him, but mm-hmm. he had a huge sixty-three point game. I don't know what anything lately in the playoffs has got close to sixty-three points, but mm-hmm. that's going to be hard to touch. And I think I've, I want to mm-hmm. say when I was seeing recaps of some of the games, I saw like forties and fifties. I could be greatly mistaken. Yeah, but I want to say like forty-point playoff games. Yeah, yeah. maybe not have one of those this year, but I don't think they had a fifty and no sixty-three. So. Uh, I don't think so either. But that, that was, was Sports Rewind. That one was way better than your first one, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, in the real world, again, like Daniel said, April 18th, 1986, a couple of really interesting things, including one thing I've never heard of until I was lo- researching what was going on. Uh, the first one I think everybody heard of, on April 21st, 1986, Geraldo Rivera, Rivera, excuse me, not Riviera, <laughs> opens Al Capone's secret vault on the mystery of Al Capone's vault. Because that was a huge deal that there was going to be like a whole bunch of badass shit in this vault that's been sealed for you know fifty years. Uh, it was a bottle of moonshine, mm-hmm. <laughs> or as in UHF where where Al opens it and it's road maps. But uh, now this was really really cool, and I did not know this till I read. This is the one that really kind of, and this is a sh- this is a shout out for me to this dude. Uh-oh. April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. Captain Aww. Midnight interrupts the HBO satellite feed. Do either one of y'all know that story at all? Have you ever heard of that until just now? Nope. Me either. Okay, here you go. In the mid-1980s, controversy erupted, and I'm reading this via Wikipedia. I don't, I'm not spouting this out like I'm a news reporter. Uh, in the mid-1980s, controversy erupted in the cable programming world as channel owners began scrambling their programming and charging fees to home satellite dish owners to access the same satellite signals cable operators received. Uh, many dish owners were forced to purchase the scrambling equipment at a cost of hundreds of dollars in addition to paying monthly or annual subscription fees to cable programming providers. Programming costs for home dish owners were often higher than fees paid by cable subscribers, despite dish owners being responsible for owning and servicing their own equipment. So first of all, don't own a fucking dish. Uh, but yeah, of course, in the 80s, and then satellite dishes in the 80s were the big fucking my ones, like from one. Contact. Yeah, my dad. I mean, had you one. could catch a signal from space. I mean, well, literally, you catch a signal from space, but <laughs> I mean, deep space. You could broadcast the deep space on these so things. so many wild feeds. It was hilarious. <laughs> you would see football games, but no commercials. Oh, that's and awesome. A lot of the times, the cameramen would zoom in on cheerleaders and certain parts of the cheerleaders. <laughs> fucking A. Cause they, thought- they thought, hey, well, the commercials on, what? Yeah. So by you could tell like when they were getting ready to zoom back out. Or <laughs> That's the so camera awesome. would zoom back. That's out. funny. 
Uh, <laughs> remember my aunt had a satellite dish in her yard, and it just pretty much became the base of Cobra for my G.I. Joes when I went and visited her. <laughs> and G.I. Joes would fly in and attack it. So that's my dish story. <laughs> but uh, John R. McDougall, 80s Revisited Hero. Uh, he was a satellite TV dealer in Ocala, Florida. He was working at Central Florida Teleport, a comp... Not a teleportation company, unfortunately, as the title might suggest me to believe, uh, but a company that uplinks services to satellites. He was actually overseeing the uplink of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Good Choice, as part of the evening's programming for the now-defunct pay-per-view network, People's Choice. Uh, at the end of his shift, he swung the dish back into storage in its storage position, which aimed, at, which aimed at the location of Galaxy One, which is a satellite that carried the HBO television signal. Uh, as a protest against the introduction of high fees and scrambling equipment, he transmitted a signal onto the satellite which overrode HBO's airing of The Falcon and The Snowman, which I've never heard of that movie either. It only lasted, it only interrupted for four and a half minutes, but the message that he had displaying was this. It was on, uh, you know, the rainbow bars, the tuning bars. Most people might not even know what that is yeah. now, younger people. Uh, but it said, Good evening, HBO, from Captain Midnight. Twelve ninety-five a month, no way. Showtime movie channel, beware. Uh, now, twelve ninety five a month today, that's like a Netflix subscription. But back in the Netflix is even cheaper than that. Yeah. Mine is like nine, I think, because it's streaming only. Or oh, eight really? ninety nine. It's eight, I think. Yeah, it's eight. Something like that. Uh, but of course twelve ninety five in nineteen eighty five dollars would probably be like fifty bucks now, at least, I don't imagine. Uh, but anyway, so you know, he he took a stand for what he believed in, an unfair practice. God bless you, John McDougall. Uh, but what he ended up getting was a five thousand dollar fine and one year probation. But Captain Midnight 80s Revisited, salute you, sir. <laughs> so, back to legend. You are a legend. You are the legend <laughs> of Captain Minish. Anyway, uh, what would you give legend? About a six and a half. Damn, fuck you. You're right there with uh, I am. You're, you're a little better than IMDb. A little less than Mont Tomatoes. Uh, Ain't nobody got time for that. Okay. In that case, <laughs> uh, me 9.4. Uh, now, Whoa, yeah. You liked it more than the Goonies? Yeah. This Again, again. Hold on, wait. <laughs> As I was going to say before you said that, uh, because this film, again, it's Ridley Scott, first of all, so... Um, that shouldn't have anything to do with it. It does have something to do with the director t- is telling a story. <laughs> and his visually, his films are the best of the best so out there. So you don't like Jesse's stuff simply because it's not Ridley Scott? No. Jesse, did you make Blade Runner? <laughs> did you make Alien? I uh, did. <laughs> I am now getting on my knees. <laughs> away from the mic. <laughs> no, but uh, you, you should go into like a picture going, yeah, it's really Scott directed. I might go watch that. It's going to be pretty good. Well, I mean, I, I, I've but watched every say... really Scott movie because I like him as a director, and he's not done everything. He's not done great mm-hmm. on everything. Robin Hood was not good. Mm-hmm. Russell Crowe was great in it, but mm-hmm. the movie wasn't that good. Kingdom of Heaven looked great, but sucked. Legend to me, Blade Runner to me looked fantastic. And are great movies, and again, honestly, I try not to have these scores inflated, like I, I've, I've said recently. But I do have to weigh into consideration here the Tim Curry factor, and that's an at least a full point higher than I would normally give it, because Tim Curry, I wish you were like my creepy English uncle, or something that I could visit on holiday, <laughs> and stuff, and you could talk to me in that voice or something. I don't know. Which voice? It doesn't matter what Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry is my hero. He's a man of many voices. That, you gotta that, be specific. That is true. Just his normal, his voice. His Home Alone 2 voice. Yeah. So. That would be my choice. That would be really awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it's hard for me not to look at this movie without rose-colored glasses simply because, to me, it's it's the medieval Blade Runner in a way because of 
It's just Ridley Scott's one of those directors that can take you to another place. Uh, for example, the Wolverine, like we um, talked about last week, a recent movie. There were parts where like I felt I'm very immersed in the in the surroundings and the story, and then it, like when it's abrupt how that movie kind of switches tones to me, and it's just okay now I'm in a movie. And there's a lot of movies like that. There's a lot of movies that don't that maintain that, and to me that's a big factor in it. Uh, like uh, Drive or uh, Mud recently, which I saw, which is the best film of the year in my opinion, uh, from a thematic element. Uh, I haven't heard of it. It's Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he's in it. He's really good. Uh, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon's in it. I uh, came out last year according to this. Oh, really? Hmm. I guess that's like your best movie of the year. <laughs> well, yes, that's not. May 10, 2013. That's the one that's actually released then, yeah, theatrically. Well, that's weird. There you go. But it's a, uh, it's very, it has a Huck Finn vibe to it, which when you see it, you'll know. But it's a, it's a very, very good movie. I was, yeah, I'll have to rent it. When it yes, I will give you the rented copy I have to watch. And Jesse, if you'd like the rented copy, I can get that to you as well. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's really, really good. Uh, a lot of people are talking about Place Beyond the Pines being like one of the Oscar contenders this year too, which was, that was a great movie, has a good twist to it, but it's, this is like leagues better. But anyway, that could have been the Back to the Future segment. <laughs> but what I had written down was I just saw that movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Uh, just came out on Blu-ray, DVD. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure you probably haven't seen it, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? No. Uh, okay, Tom's I'll in it. Baton Rouge. I'll, yeah, actually it was. In fact, uh, did I tell the st- I think I told the story on the podcast about my friend at the theater where Tom Cruise came to the theater mm-hmm. for Avengers. Yes. So if you remember that story, he was filming Oblivion in Baton Rouge when that story took place, when Avengers came out. But anyway, uh, I'll keep it spoiler-free, uh, and I'll keep it really short since I can't go into spoilers. Sure. But uh, first of all, if you if you haven't seen or even heard of the movie Oblivion, do not watch the trailer because there's actually three really good twists in this movie, like things that are uns- that could have been presented really well that really would have been shocking, and one of them is in the trailer where it blat- nice. they blatantly lay out the plot and then they pretty much contradict that plot by showing you some stuff. Uh, visually, it's it's nice. The effects are some are great, and then some look like shit. Uh, Jamie Lannister's in it, so that makes it really good too. Uh, but he pretty much plays Jamie Lannister. Uh, Morgan Freeman's in it. Uh, the chick that plays uh, she played Io in the Clash of the Titans. I think that was her name in that. Uh, yeah, Olga Kurylenko. She's actually Russian, I think. Uh, she's a Max Payne hitman. Oh uh, yeah, she was a chicken quantum of solace too. The, the worst James Bond film in the past twenty years. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. That would have to be uh, the world is not enough. Mm-hmm. But that'd be a close Halle second. Barry. Is that the one? I actually world like that. Enough. The world is not enough was no. I'm sorry. Die yeah, another no, uh, day. Uh, Denise Richards is the one I'm talking about. Mm. Oh okay. yeah, die another day is the Halle Berry one. Yeah, right. which ice. Yeah, that one was ridiculous, but it was funny. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, Oblivion. It's a Oblivion could have been one of the best science fiction films since, you know, Sunshine or The Fountain of Children are Men. But it's told, again, like, uh, can I talk about like, like a really Scott film or uh, like how the Wolverine is disjointed. The way the story is told in Oblivion, the story's fantastic. But it's just like, I got confused as to like, and I'm paying attention, like I'm on the edge of my seat on some parts and were, I'm like, okay, wait, what the fuck is that? I had to pull up my phone on Wikipedia and like read the plot up to that point to make sure I understood what they were saying because things aren't presented and it's, it doesn't present itself well. But then, like, by the time it's over, I'm like, God, that was really good. But they told it in a very shitty way, mm. which was disappointing because the director uh, – pull back. Are you still on that same page? I forget his name. Uh, Joseph Kulinski. He was the director of Tron Legacy, which 
fantastic film and told very well. But this one was just like great story, decent effects, good cast, but just not – it wasn't told as it should have been. But definitely worth watching once. Uh, I wouldn't say go out and buy it or anything. But uh, if you like science fiction, it's a good science fiction movie. Uh, it's it's pure science fiction, but you know, really pay attention and you know you might need to rewind a couple parts to make sure you're catching something. Uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. Mm. That's that. What's your favorite Tom Cruise movie? Mm. I'm just I'm just part of the discussion because he's only had like you know when you look on IMDb and you see some people's credits, I like really hundred plus. Tom I Cruise am, has like forty four titles to his. Credit. I really enjoyed Minority Report. Really? Yeah. That, you say that would be your favorite? It's up there. I mean, I'd have to really look. I, uh, I'm looking right now. Um, and we talked. I kind of mentioned mine last time. It was Collateral. I think was his yeah, personal I've best never movie. That. What about a few good men? Yeah. It's good, but he gets destroyed. he gets owned by yeah. this. <laughs> Oh, of course. <laughs> Just go Jerry, back to Jerry Maguire. School. I did like... Um, yeah. What just happened? Interview with the Vampire was good. Yeah. Uh, I never watched Vanilla Sky. He was great. He was good in Magnolia. Vanilla Sky is a great movie. I only, I only seen it once. I only need to see it once, but it's a good movie. Yeah. I watched it goes, the it goes to a place where you do not Tropic expect. Thunder. There you go. <laughs> that was his, he proved he could do comedy. Like, mm. pure comedy, and he did great in it. Rock. Oh, God. That's his worst. Rock of Ages. I never saw it. Don't. Do not see it. Night and day, he was just showing off. That yeah. He could do hey, watch! I can bang, watch me bang, kiss. You know, <laughs> Cameron Diaz. I can do whatever I want. I'm Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Still an action star. Jack Reacher was. It's worth watching once, but the problem is, like, he's, Tom Cruise is supposed to be a badass as he normally is, but when he's beating up people like three times his size with like one punch and like tackling them with, you know, Tom Cruise doesn't weigh that much. He's like short. He's one of those shorter actors. Mm-hmm. You just uh, you, you can't. In that movie, you can't buy him as being the badass that he is, like in hand to hand. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like you know, in Mission and other movies, they kind of again it comes down to the way the movie's shot. You know, when you have a long shot and he's fighting a dude two feet taller than him, and he's like you know weighs a hundred two hundred pounds less than this dude, it you know it take it takes you out of the movie. Like you know, I don't care if he's Jack Reacher. Like this dude is gonna smash the shit up, <laughs> shit out of him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, of course, Tom Cruise. Rose of prominence in the 80s, the decade which this podcast reflects on. Uh, but his best work, I think, was much, much later. But he was great in Legend. But like you were saying, Daniel, he didn't have to do too, too much, aside from look pretty. And, he was eye candy. Yeah. To me. Well, Tim Curry was eye candy to me in this movie, because yeah. he looked I fucking mean, to, awesome. to, to, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that pretty much does it this week. Hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane, talking about one of the greatest this movie, fantasy movies, this side of Legend. I mean, uh, <laughs> this side of Willow. Uh on our podcast uh, but of course if you need to get in touch with us correct us give us some praises you know join my side about how awesome really Scott is or you know talk how awesome Willow is to Daniel uh, 80s revisited at gmail.com on Facebook and Twitter at awesome pods now that is different from the last time so if you listen to an old episode and then come back to this one like wait a second yeah it's different but if you already like us on Facebook don't worry you still like us at awesome pods so and also check that for you know upcoming stuff and fun little pics that we post from time to time. And don't forget, there's also Geekly Dose and Duo Attack, which I forgot to mention last week, mm-hmm. uh, which is back on the Awesome Podcast Trio Network. Attack now, right? Well, Duo Cast Prime sometimes. <laughs> 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 but uh, I actually participate in that sometimes now, uh, thanks to Jesse, which I like playing Hero Thanks Quick. to you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Let's not start sucking <laughs> each other's dicks. <laughs> <just>. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Wolf. Uh, 
but also a geekly dose. Uh, by the time you listen to this, their E3 episode, you already should have listened to it to it, to it a couple of times. Getting all the info you need from that, and they should be back with a brand new episode shortly. I hope because it's always fun to check in with what those guys got to say. And also, if you like Hero Clicks, check out Duo Attack. So, did you want to say? Did you want to do the Duo Attack thing? Because you usually did that one back in the day. Or did I just steal your thunder? No, you, you just they stole it. They I stole, stole it. it. Stepped yeah. on it. That's why I was dancing shat on the it. Time. <laughs> Well, you can go ahead and say it now if you want. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll, I'll write it down next week. i got to redo this sheet anyway. But uh, next week, I, didn't, I had an idea what to do, and then I forgot. That's good. But I want to... <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. It's going to come to me. About no, producer's it? choice. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Email. Let us know. Helga fell. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Again? <laughs> no. No, so, the actual movie, Helga fell. Oh, really? There yeah. is one. Yeah. Who plays in it? Some big chick named Helga and she fell. <laughs> falls off. Are you sure it wasn't like a retelling of King Kong, the Swedish version of King Kong? Mm-hmm. She climbs a whatever the Swedish Empire State Building is. <laughs> the Shishmelt Tower. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're going to let Jesse pick out the movie next week and we'll oh, be back. Snap. It'll be a mystery to us until he tells us and it'll be a mystery to you guys and girls until we pop it up on iTunes and Stitcher. Lock it up. Yeah, boy. (laughs) We appreciate everybody. Come back next week for a brand new episode of 80s Revisited. Until next time, I'm Trey Harris. I'm Danielson Angelou. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>